our reading today is the best reading. Uh, we are reading from Luke 1, and we're going to begin at verse 46. This takes place just after the sermon uh, that Brad preached about last week, where he talked about the, uh, the meeting of Mary and her cousin Elizabeth and how excited they are about the children that they're going to bear. It says this, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said it to our fathers. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that this song and your words and your truth rest upon all our hearts today and going forward. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Uh, today is the last of four where we're looking at the woman in the Advent story. Uh, Brad said last week he felt that Elizabeth was kind of the hero of these stories, but I'm here to tell him he's wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I really feel that Mary is the hero of this story and indeed most uh, stories. Uh, most of you know uh, Wellspring is better because we have so many voices up here. We have so many different people preaching and teaching uh, and helping us grow. And I really love that. But apparently there's like two, two Sundays I'm not willing to share. <laughs> and it's not because I don't trust people, it's because I'm bad at sharing. I'm still like an immature person. And one of those is Easter Sunday. You may have noticed I always preach Easter Sunday. I'm not good at sharing that one. And the other one is this. I just, I love it so much. And I know other people will do a wonderful job, but like th there's got to be some perks to this job, right? <laughs> I, I say... Without irony, this is the greatest song ever sung. It is the greatest song ever sung, and so why wouldn't I want to talk about the greatest song ever sung? Sometimes called the Magnificat, I'll refer to it that when I'm sloppy. That's just Latin for like, I magnify. It's pretentious, forgive me if I do it. Um, one of the things I really like about the Magnificat, or Mary's song, uh, is on top of it being the best song ever, which we've established it is, because I said so, uh, it's also maybe the most controversial song ever sung. And if y'all know anything about me by this point, is if something's controversial, I'm probably kind of drawn to it. <laughs> Uh, when I was like 15, uh, this embodied itself by buying a lot of CDs with parental advisory stickers. I think our next slide is, uh, this is a Ix on the Ombre by The Offspring, amazing album. I was listening to it the other day. You can see the parental advisory sticker, kind of a rebel. Uh, less rebellious is I had to get my mum to buy it for me. <laughs> 
that I am drawn to things that are controversial. This song is the most controversial song ever sung. Uh, more on that later. There's also this other line that I've had stuck in my head whilst preparing the sermon for like I've had a couple of weeks to think about it. And that's a, a line from the very, very end of The Lord of the Rings, uh, which I'm about to spoil for you, but the movie is 20 years old and the book's 80 years old, so it's kind of on you if you don't know the ending at this point. I assume you don't care. Uh, but it's when good has won. There we go, spoiler. Uh, and the evil ring has been destroyed, and one of the hobbits is greeted by a friend and he, who he thought hadn't made it. And he said, I, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? So today I'm going to talk about the singer, Mary. I'm going to talk about the song, the Magnificat, and what it means for all the sad things to become untrue. In a sermon that I have snappily called, next slide, Mary, don't you know? Yes, Mary knew. She obviously knew. She knew more than anyone. That's a stupid question. <laughs> uh, so in the Magnificat, we have this song, but we need to know the singer. I think it's so important that we anchor ourselves in the person singing these words. Um, we might have some kind of unhealthy images of Mary, like when you Google Mary, Mother of God, these are the pictures that come up, which are a little bit paler, maybe, than we might expect from a woman in Nazareth, uh, a very white Christmas, we could say. But I think it's, uh, these are problematic. <laughs> Mary is ultimately a very unlikely heroine. It's fair to assume uh, that she's around the age of 13, uh, like many other countless teenagers uh, waiting for married, marriage in a country that was colonized by the Roman Empire. Uh, it's quite possible she's seen family and friends tortured or executed by the state. Uh, if not, it would certainly be a recent memory within that community of living in a kind of state of fear and depression. There's really not much about Mary that is spectacular, and give me a moment here, I'll qualify that. But she is another insignificant teenager from an insignificant village. Like She's a woman, which bear in mind means she wasn't even able to enter the synagogue to learn about who God was. And, and as a woman, she would have been expected to be kind of content with that. There are millions of women around the world today who find themselves in a similar situation as second-class citizens as a result of being non-male. Uh, but over and over again, <laughs> these second-class citizens, those who are lacking power and privilege, are the ones that Scripture centers. And, and Luke's gospel, which is what this reading is from, is almost like aggressive about this. Uh, okay, we heard two weeks ago about uh, Anna, who is a widow, who has no status in society. Last week we heard about Elizabeth, a woman who was unable to have children. Again, someone with very little status in society back then. Uh, Luke also mentions the shepherds. 
all of these people are those with no standing or power in society. And, and Luke's gospel, I mean all of the Bible, but the Luke's gospel in particular just won't let us look away from them. They're everywhere. And what's wonderful is that they always delightfully accept God's invitation. They accept God's invitation in a way that the powerful and the proud do not. We see this in Herod, instead of going to see Jesus, tries to have a bunch of babies killed. Like That's his response because he sees this as a threat rather than something to be excited about. But we are forced to see uh, the humanity of all these people that might not have been seen as human by those around them at the time. Really importantly, God chooses them to be part of this story. This is this invitation to them. I'm making all things new. I will wipe away the tears. All the sad things are becoming untrue. Come and see. Back to our friend Mary again. Uh, she has, as I say, no access to education or health care. Uh, and so really her, her role of mother of savior of the world doesn't make an awful lot of sense. We really think that so they should have access to the best doctors and the best wisdom at the time. Uh, but that is, of course, until you realize that it really can't be anyone else. Like, of course, it's how it has to be. This is how God does things. Uh, one theologian says, uh, Mary personifies the preference of God towards those who suffer from the injustice of the powerful. She personifies the triumph of God in human weakness and his preference for the humanly insignificant. Mary makes no sense until you read the Bible and then you realize it can't be anyone else. To be desperate for the sad things to become untrue, you have to be close to those sadnesses. And Mary was. I'm sure, and, and that uh, reading by Ashley from Rita, really paints a picture uh, through experience that, that is not something I, I don't get to be a part of. Uh, but there are no doubt tears as Mary is, sorry, as Jesus is born. There's no doubt tears as she watched Jesus's execution by her colonizers. She is the only one present at both the birth and the death of Jesus. And even after his ascension, so after his death and resurrection and ascension, we find her praying in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. Mary is faithful to Jesus before he is born and she is faithful to him after he dies. <laughs> and the more we get to know her, the more we understand God's story, the more it makes so much sense that it would be her. So I think Mary's great. I think she's kind of the hero of the story. I know in a lot of um, non-Catholic circles, we get a little bit nervous because we, we try to elevate her too much. But I think we can uh, acknowledge that she is an amazing woman and, and gets to be an inspiration forever. So, <laughs> talked about the singer. Let's talk about the song. Uh, the Magnificat, as I say, the greatest song ever sung. 
Uh, it is the longest unbroken speech by a woman in the New Testament. It is one of the longest unbroken speeches in, uh, by anyone in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus has a longer speech, and then Zechariah speaks for longer than she does. But he also hasn't spoken for like nine months, so you know, on average, he's not talking that much, really. Let's, let's, I'm going to read it again, because I think it's important to read it again. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. It's the best song ever written. <laughs> This is the kind of king that her son, Jesus, will be. This is what his kingdom is going to look like. This is a, a powerful song that gives a voice to those that we have silenced or not listened to well enough. Uh, just as importantly, it silences those who said too much. Um, Dedrick Bonhoeffer, who's a priest that was executed for his resistance to the Nazis, said that the Magnificat is at once the most passionate, the wildest, and one might even say most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not the, gen the gentle, tender, dreary, ma dreamy Mary who we sometimes see in paintings. This is a passionate, surrendered, proud, enthusiastic Mary who speaks out. This song, he uh, has none of the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of our Christmas carols. Instead, a hard, strong, inexorable song about collapsing thrones and humbled lords of this world, about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. God is to be sought and found in daily encounters with suffering, in tears, and in the laughter of the poor and the groaning of creation. And with those things in mind, I suppose it shouldn't be that surprising that it's so controversial. Uh, one of the, I learned about this really recently, and I, I thought it was fascinating. Um, you'll know in uh, well, our bulletins, which you don't have right now because everything went wrong this morning, uh, but we have a lectionary, and the idea is that if you read through this lectionary, you'll kind of go through the Bible in three years. And they're quite helpful, and it means you kind of don't miss anything. For the most part, I think they're a pretty good thing. Uh, but what's really interesting about the lectionary in particular is I learned during the British imperial rule of India, which was problematic for many reasons, is that they obviously had their Anglican priests and they would go through their readings, but they took this song out. So they had all the Bibles in there and then it just kind of jumps. <laughs> it's like Mary said a song. Who knows what she said? It's not important. They took it out. 
the strongest empire in the world at the time, one of the most dominant empires throughout all of human history, and they are terrified by the words of a 13-year-old girl. This isn't the only time, there's a bunch of them. In the 80s in Guatemala, the song had caused such a stir amongst like, the countries hungry who just believed that what this song said was true that the government banned any public recitation of it. Just weren't allowed to say it anywhere. And the rich and the powerful and the corrupt and the mighty, they're scared of those words, of that 13-year-old girl that's been dead for 2,000 years because those words are true. I showed some images of Mary that I didn't think were particularly helpful, but here's another one I found that I really like the look of. defiant Mary with her fists in the air, trampling the serpent and trampling over death. Cast down the mighty, send the rich away, fill the hungry, lift the lowly. God will tear the rulers from their thrones. God will lift the humble. God will send the rich away empty and God will fill the hungry. God will make all of the sad things untrue. And if that doesn't sound like good news to you, I really encourage you to make friends with people for whom it is good news. If you're not excited about the idea of the hungry being filled, let's, let's spend more time with people who are hungry. Like I'm not saying that as a judgment. This is, this is a conviction I have felt this week, uh, that there are, there are certainly some people in my life to whom this is good news, and I'm excited that it's good news for them. Uh, but I have a lot of people, probably myself included, that maybe don't want this to be totally true. But that doesn't change the fact it is true. Like, we want these words to have power and excitement, and to do that, we need to know people that it's talking about. Like when Brad preached last week, one of the reasons his words had so much power is it wasn't, it was just like the hungry that were going away filled. He knows their names. It's not just the hungry. It's not even just my neighbor. It's like Debbie. Someone who is hungry is going away filled. Like one of, Lily's not here today. <laughs> um, one of the reasons I'm pleased she got elected, this is, I don't know if I'm allowed to be this political even, but one of the reasons I'm pleased she got elected is that she knows the names of people in this community who are struggling. Like, I don't know how many like, elected officials can say that, can say the names of people they know who are struggling and call them friends and say that they want them to be filled. It's not just the hungry, it's Cassandra. And this is her story, and this is what she's been through. And this is what it looks like for everything sad to become untrue for her. We, we, we need to know their names. And, and if there's not good news for your friends, get more friends. <laughs> and, and it's okay to look inwards. Like... This is a hard passage, right? I say I really wanted to preach on it because it excites me so much, but then I just end up feeling convicted and like, Ugh, I'm not sure I have the authority to speak on this. Maybe it shouldn't be me speaking on it. 
because like I'm it's not particularly good news for me if I'm really honest I have so much <laughs> and I'm not that good at sharing I don't even share the preaching let alone other things I have like I'm not hungry and I'm not poor but to the billions around the world who are still being crushed and starved by injustice this is good news Ashley spoke a couple of weeks ago about living in the now and the not yet, about recognizing that the kingdom has come, but also there is still brokenness, that that stuff is still being worked out. And I think that probably needs to be our theme for the church next year for a whole bunch of reasons. But I'm thinking about that. It's true. I believe this is inevitable. I believe that <laughs> Jesus has come, but we're also living in a space where people are still hungry. But, but I need to remember and I need to remind you that this is inevitable. All the sad things are going to become untrue. That is God's promise to us. That is what this song reveals to us. It echoes what has come before it and it <laughs> warns us for not what's going to come after it. We, we talk about taking the Bible seriously. That's, a, that's a, something that comes up a lot and different people have different ideas as to what that means. But for me, taking the Bible seriously is trusting this prophetic outcry of a 13-year-old girl with an unexpected pregnancy upon the whom of Spirit of God rests. Do not believe this because I am saying it. Believe her. Don't trust me when I say all the sad things are becoming untrue. Believe her. I think we as a society are getting better at listening to people with less power and privilege, but we have a long way to go. But those words mean more coming for her than they do from me, and that's okay. Uh, Brad summed up, yeah, this is the last thing I get to talk about for a few weeks. Brad summed up everything perfectly last week when he said everything needs to point to Jesus. Like the point of all of this is pointing to Jesus and the point of all of this is knowing who Jesus is, understanding Jesus more richly, living in ways that Jesus wants us to live, uh, living lives that reflect who he is and what his love looks like. Um, and, and Mary does that too. Mary points to Jesus incredibly. And so let me, let me finish here. I'm nearly done. Like, I was thinking this week, and I have no answers, but I'm curious about your thoughts. Is it even Jesus being in her womb that partially inspires this song? That, like, even just proximity to, to the divine in that way can inspire that? Like, maybe the Spirit of God is upon her as well. Uh, the angel tells her that, so maybe it's that too. Uh, but I also think that a big part of what has helped Jesus think and grow, and we read about that, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, but who's helping him more with that than Mary is? She's the one he's around most. Like Mary first, uh, sorry, Jesus first hears Mary's voice when he's in the womb. We know that babies can recognize their parents' voice from uh, a very yeah, young state. But can you imagine her repeating this story and repeating this song to Jesus, like as, as a baby in a manger that, that first Christmas? 
where she says he's performed mighty deeds with his arm and he's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And, and a few years later, as uh, Jesus is sort of playing with his friends, but he comes back in and she says, he's brought down the rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. And as a, a young man beginning to find his way in the world, she says, God has filled the hungry with good things and he sent the rich away empty. Because the first words in Jesus' first sermon sure seem to be inspired by those thoughts. Luke 4, and you knew I had to finish the year on this really. Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to... <laughs> proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Like, can you imagine Mary hearing that? Can you imagine her swelling with pride? Like, he's, 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 he's got it, he gets it. This teenager with an unexpected pregnancy carrying the weight of the savior of the world who's been echoing this promise, this inevitability that through him there will be no more suffering, no more wars, there will be no more injustice. He is coming to make all things new. Don't believe it because I say it. Believe it because she says it. Believe it because he says it. All the sad things are going to become untrue. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for who you are and the ways that you show us how to live. Lord, we pray that we live lives that, that echo that song that was sung over you 2,000 years ago. We pray that we Look forward to all the sad things becoming untrue. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.